Yes, literally at home. And I feel like I'm home for the first time in like a week or more, even though I've been here that entire time and have probably only left the premises for a total of like three hours. Um, I can't remember if we discussed, because I was just starting to get sick last time we spoke, but um, did we talk about hand, foot, and mouth disease? No, we did not. I actually did mean to ask you about hand, foot, and mouth disease because it sounds it, like you know, a livestock issue. Yeah, yeah, it's quite. It's, quite <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it sounds unpleasant. I gotta say. Well, I'll tell so, you this: uh, if I, if someone had inquired uh, as to my knowledge of hand, foot, and mouth disease as recently as like 13 days ago, I would have said, "Is that a livestock thing?" Uh, but that's about when I found out that no, it's a kid thing. Um, and it's also about when I found out that, yes, uh, my kids definitely have it. Uh, it is um, it is uh, most identifiable by the disgusting rash around the hands, feet, and mouth. And um, characterized by a preponderance of rancid, vile sores in the mouth and throat uh that's also when i was told uh, by my my wife via the doctor or by the doctor via my wife that this year's strain of hand foot and mouth which apparently is often running around the preschools in any given area but this year's strain is particularly potent to adults uh information i wish i had had sooner so that i could have given my children to somebody else uh, because <laughs> by the time I found out it was too late and uh, last we spoke I was just starting to run a fever but the last week has been lost for me essentially in a delirium of fever and the most excruciating mouth and throat pain I've ever experienced in my life and I do mean that um, very literally it was I can't even describe I, – I went to the emergency room twice because my brain just couldn't process the amount of pain I was in every single time I swallowed. Wow. And you do not realize how yeah, you often swallow you swallow yeah. until every swallow feels like someone sliding a razor blade down the inside of your esophagus. Um, it really was one of the worst things I've ever experienced, and it also made me feel retroactively even worse for – my son, who had been walking around just, like, drooling out of his mouth because he didn't want to swallow for the previous week. Um, and, you know, my wife and I were kind of rolling our eyes, like, seriously, kid, like, you, you really need to just let the saliva dribble out of your mouth all day long. But in <laughs> retrospect, 
I completely understand it because yeah. I considered doing that myself at age 40. So if I was three, <laughs> I for sure would have done it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, yeah. So anyway, it's been one of the most miserable physical weeks of my entire life. Just really, really terrible, <laughs> but I'm starting to feel a lot better. Um, I'm, I'm down to just like some sucrets and, uh, and soft foods and, and things are good. So in the midst of that, not at all super gross story, um, were you able to do the homework? I was able to do the homework. The things I were not, I was not able to do include eat or sleep for like four days, which uh, was definitely the worst part. Um, and I still am like not able to eat and drink the things I normally would because I like spicy food, I like fizzy drinks, and all of that still hurts pretty good. Mm, mm, well, I have. Sorry to hear that. Uh, yesterday, I, <laughs> yesterday, thinking I was better, I was in my garden and I picked and ate a tomato, forgetting that tomatoes are a very acidic food, and uh, it it burned. It burned bad. It so burned I'm still <laughs> still not great, but uh, I'm eating tuna casserole and 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 it's nice and soft and warm in my throat. And uh, I wish I hadn't just said that out loud on a recording device. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, a couple things you might want to get back, but I think when you get the the uh, hooves and mouths, yeah, <laughs> I know yeah. that's not really the name of it. Um, no, it's yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, like claw and hoof <laughs> disease. That's uh... <laughs> all right. Well, we'll save the rest of that for our other podcast. Uh, horrific ailments. Yeah, um. <laughs> still in development. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we got to talk some culture because I have to go and do family vacation things here. Okay, bit, so. you have a family. You have things to do. Whatever. <laughs> Your family is totally healthy right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, do we want to talk about Saul or do we want to save that for a time where we could be a little bit more expansive? I mean, maybe we should at least say a couple things. Like – I. I I wouldn't mind kicking that down the road for a more in-depth talk when we've all had time to think, but it's over. How are you feeling? I mean, I feel like uh, I feel like the last few episodes were tremendous, and I think uh, uh, you know, as I sort of you know, I mean, I think if there's anybody who had faith to stick the landing, it's the guys that did Breaking Bad, and I think they did that. And, you know, it sort of makes me look back on the show really as just, you know, I think it's one of the greats. I think it's one of those shows that if you if you properly appre- appreciate Breaking Bad, which is to say that if you do think that it's one of the best shows of, of this current century, that I think you've got to watch Saul because it's, um, it's such a great, not just Coda, but like... It, it sort of changes the way you look at Breaking Bad, I think, a little bit. And, and honestly, it's one of those things that's always surprised me of, like, how many people I know who really love Breaking Bad that just never got into the show. You know, it's 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 unlike Breaking Bad, right, which when it wrapped up, everyone was talking about. Right. It's sort of hard to find people to talk about Saul with, right? Yeah. So there's two things about that. You know, one, and we've talked about this part before. I want well we've talked about both these things before in different contexts but I do wonder how many people came off of the you know 
action spectacular end point of Breaking Bad and watched the first season of Better Call Saul and were like, well, this is just a show about lawyers and doc review. I don't need to stick with this. Um, and those people missed out. Uh, yes. I mean, they were wrong in the first place, too, but I can understand some of that viewpoint, but they missed out, and they should have trusted the people who brought them Breaking Bad the way we did. Um, <laughs> right. It's like, like Chuck McGill makes an appearance in the finale. Yeah. But, like, when you're seeing that, you understand why they spent all that time with the lawyering. A hundred percent. And how it fits into this story, which, by the way, is not at all snoozy. You know what I mean? So, not a snoozy uh, story. And, and you know, these last few episodes weren't particularly action-heavy per se, but the emotional stakes of what was happening made it feel that way, right? Yeah. I mean, it all felt so elevated and intense. And with Rhea Seahorn coming back into the show in the last couple few episodes, I think brought that all home. And, I mean, the... F- <laughs> The final image of this show is incredible, I thought. Just incredible. That Yep. And, and I guess here so so I mean, in a way, right? It felt like a lot of the last several episodes was the show saying, Don't you understand this is always who Jimmy McGill was and he could never be anything else. But then in the last minute, it's almost like except maybe this one relationship in his life might have been different. Yeah. And I mean, it, I, it's, it, a, it's a hell of a thing to reckon with. Like, I don't quite know what to make of it from a thematic conclusion standpoint, but it, it's definitely sitting with me. I'll tell you that. It, you know, it was an interesting surprise that Marie, um, and I, I think I can say this without being too spoilery, you know, is uh, so involved in this finale. And she has this great, you know, monologue where she's kind of, unloading on Saul and saying you did all this for money and really what you you know what the show sort of makes you realize is kind of just what you said was that no it wasn't really about money for him this is like this is who he is and conning people is how he feels alive you know um and you see it so many times throughout the thing it's like you know when he's when he and Kim are in the office you know signing the divorce papers and he's devastated he jumps right back into cotton, you know what I mean? Yep. Because that's that's how he feels something, you know what I mean? So um, it's uh, just a really incredible show. And, and, and I think a show, I don't know how many shows are just as smartly aware of the audience expectations, right? Like, like when Saul is, you know, kind of plotting his escape and getting in that dumpster and you're, you know, he's got the card and you're thinking like, you know, okay, he's going to figure his way out of this. You're and sure. Like, yeah, yeah, you know? and it knows that, right? And it even, knows on that. even when they knocked on the dumpster, and they were like, "Come on out," I was like, "Well, that's not going to be the cop." Somehow he got out of this again, but it was like they, I, yeah, you're right. It's it, you. I think wavered less than I did in in trust of of the Gilligan Gould combo to to land this as best as anyone could and and uh, they absolutely did. I mean just what what tremendous television and I I maintain that it's a it's a weird complicated thing to say because of the relationship between them but I think front to start or, or front to back this is a in fact an even better show than Breaking Bad and that's no shade yeah. to Breaking Bad I just think these are you know two of the top 10 shows of all time and you know maybe this one's 
four and that one six or something. It's just yeah. it's it's incredible. I have a hard time saying to people it's better because I just have that much respect for Breaking Bad, but it very well may be better. And I certainly would say it's just as good. And I yeah. yeah. If you like that show, I can't recommend enough that you like just invest in this. It'll, yeah. it'll pay off. <laughs> just bite down. Bite down on that first season and uh the the taste will come out for you, I promise. Yeah. You know, uh, Gilligan Gould, uh, Ray Seahorn, and Odenkirk all have, you know, non-Breaking Bad universe-related shows coming up. Uh, and I think it'll be an interesting test of that trust. If that was the, you know the other I thing I wanted to add about this was, as much as it was a uh, series finale, I feel like AMC really used this finale to jam every promo for every upcoming show they have (laughs) into to try to keep people on AMC. So I do think even if not too many people are talking about it, this was clearly the most watched thing on the network. Do you have any plans to uh, watch any AMC shows in in the future? Honestly, like they didn't give us much other than 2023, but if you're telling me that Gilligan and Gould are making separate Odenkirk and Seahorn shows, I'll give them both a spin. Yeah, I don't think I think they're all it's four different shows. I think so. Um, so yeah, so I don't know that Gilligan or Gould's involved in either of those other two, but we'll see. Well, whatever um, it is, I mean, I'm going to try those things out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think you, I feel like you have to at this point. Um, all right, should we stay in the world of entertainment since uh, since we're here now? Um, sure. Let's uh, let's get into. Uh, I already forgot what we watched this week. <laughs> let's talk about uh, Blackbird. Oh, I'm glad uh, you chose that first. Wh- how many of these did you watch? Uh, I watched four of them, which uh-huh. is most of them. Basically. Me too. Uh, there's only six. Yeah. Uh, Why? And that's a lot of TV. Why do you think you watch so many? I don't know. It's, I feel a little bit like the Sandman because I can't say that like I love this show. Uh, I like this show for sure, mm-hmm. um, and I, I enjoying spending time uh, in this prison. Yeah, but you know, like I don't know, man. Like if you need a guy to be, uh, this guy's definitely weird and maybe a psychotic murderer. Like, is there a better go-to than Paul Walter Hauser at this point? Like, yeah, that's it. I mean, this is what I was trying to get you to say. Uh Sorry, I just I just put a cough drop in my mouth because uh, no of my aforementioned problems. Um, I think I, I completely agree with everything you just said. I think it's a good show, if not a great show. There's there's plenty of good acting performances. It's nice to see Ray Liotta again. He's always good. But the reason I've watched four of the six episodes of this is because Paul Walter Hauser is one of the most mesmerizing actors working today i i like there is just something i mean enchanting is not the right word for this character or really for any of his best characters but he's like dynamic and threatening and there's so much happening beneath the surface like i can't i i can't stop watching him he is i don't and you know, we're in a place where, like, it seems pretty clear that he's done the murders, but we don't know that, you know? Like, he might just be a serial confessor. But 
whatever he's doing, I can't take my eyes off it. What whatever that performance is, he's he's unbelievable, man. Yeah. The the show is smart enough to to just kind of wind him up and let him go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yep. <laughs> it's like, hey, you want to do you want to you want to pitch your voice a little bit weird? Yeah, go for it, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's one of those things where he's doing so many crazy things that it could feel very put on, but it doesn't. It feels completely natural. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No. He's like that's why he's the best. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I mean he really he's the go to for this type of role and and it's enough to carry the series because there's no question I'm gonna watch the next two in the next couple of days. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm gonna finish this show in about a week largely because that guy is just a magnetic on screen presence. And Taron Edgerton's perfectly good and Ray Liotta's enjoyable, like it's a good show. But the thing that makes it a, a one week binge for me is Paul Walter Hauser. Yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. I do sort of think you know if you're looking at Apple Plus or TV Plus or whatever the hell it is, it's like it's another show for them that I don't think you know is going to get a lot of buzz. You know, and you know you sort of look at at their offerings writ large, and it's like, well, yeah, every, okay, everyone talked about Ted Lasso, um, and then you start to go. You know, there were shows that we liked, <laughs> and there's the spectacular mess that is the morning show that, you know, people talk about for various reasons. Yeah. And, you know, that's it. Like, and it's, you know, I, I don't know. I think they're going to have to, they need to find a way to differentiate themselves in the marketplace of all these streamers, I think. And uh, just doing stuff that is good or interesting um, or you know what I mean? Like that we find watchable. I don't know if it's going to be enough for them because, you know, I don't know how many people are uh, Paul Walter Hauser stands. <laughs> right. <laughs> but you know what's interesting you know what about I mean? that is in some ways like Apple's doing. I mean, look, we'd all love every show to be better call Saul or Breaking Bad or The Wire, but that's not realistic. I think in a lot of ways, Apple is doing things that we wish some of the other streamers were doing, which is just churning out quite good if not great material yeah, like they hit a lot of singles and doubles i feel like yeah I, I would say a lot of doubles like it's solid gap power you know it's just not home runs it, but but like i really enjoyed ptolemy gray i think this is pretty darn good i'm really i'm i'm almost finished with and quite enjoying loot uh the after party like none of these things are the hit that makes billions of people subscribe to your service, right? None of these things are either the critical hit or the massive populist hit that that creates a ton of attention, but it's a lot of good stuff. I mean, Mythic Quest is something you really like, right? I mean, there's just like yeah. a lot of shows on here ultimately that we think are good. I like the I like the musical show that you didn't like, right? The, the, yeah. Um, the one Dune, yeah. Um, I I, I uh, yeah, speaking of thank you. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I and I wonder. I mean, in a way, you're right that like, for Apple to do what Apple wants to do, they probably need hit, bigger hits. They probably need home runs. But in a lot of ways, I think we're being like, uh, you know, we're trying to serve two masters from a critical perspective of like, well, we want the big hits, but also don't just trot out crap 
that's formulaic. Like, give us interesting, good stuff. And and I think it's it's sort of a, a difficult fine line to walk, especially when, you know, it's capitalism and everyone's goal is to make a billion dollars. Yeah, that's true. I, I think you might have sold me a little bit on, on what they're doing because I do like a fair amount of their shows. I just feel like when people go, okay, I watched Ted Lasso, like, what else you got? It's sometimes it's hard to give them an answer, you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it it would have to be like a list of 15 things from which they pick the thing that sounds the best to them, you know? But there's 15 good yes. things, which which I think is noteworthy for the last couple of years. A Slow Horses I always, is another um, one. I, I really yeah, quite yeah, enjoy that. Horses, yeah. I always tell people Mythic Quest, but that, you know, that show's not for everybody. So Yeah, um, and maybe that's the thing. Uh, but I, I, I don't know if they have the show for everybody, but they have a lot of shows for a lot of people. Absolutely. Um, all right, let's uh, let's jump on to uh, the man from Toronto because I think it's going to take a long time um, no. for for me to talk about this because I think it's uh, another in what's becoming a very long line of completely forgettable uh, uh, Netflix movies where you totally understand the elevator pitch and why they make it, and then yep. it turns out to be just as as bland and forgettable as could possibly be. Yeah. And I, you know, I feel like I'm always the one who makes this point, but not enti- not not unenjoyable, just forgettable. You know what I mean? Like the sort of thing that in two years or maybe even less time, I could bump across on Netflix and be like, "Did I ever watch this? Looks funny. I'll check it out." And only three quarters of the way through, realize, you know what? I think I did see this before, <laughs> um, but not have a bad time. Like. I laughed some. Woody Harrelson did Woody Harrelson things. Kevin Hart did Kevin Hart things. They brought it all together with some ridiculous silliness. And, uh, like, it wasn't a bad time. The wife and I ate dinner and watched a movie and, like, went to bed reasonably happy. But forgettable is the right word. I, I like, when you, when you, in fact, just now, when you said, let's move on to the man from Toronto, it took me a second to remember what we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you, and I think you like it better than I did because I think the nicest thing I could say is it's watchable. You know what I mean? Like, watched it, I finished it. You know, I didn't hate it, uh, but I I don't think I laughed at any point. Oh, so, really? Yeah, I had some laughs, but either way, I like it. Doesn't sound like you're saying it's bad. It's just not much. Yeah, it's just not much. Yeah. <laughs> and and it, it does it. seem... Here's what gets to me, right? If you just take... Like you said, the elevator pitch works. The, obviously, the cast works. The, the general... Even the general outline of the story, I think, is fine. It seems to me... And tell me if you feel differently... It seems to me like the difference between what we watched and a pretty darn good version, not great, I mean, this was never going to be a great movie, but like a, a really good and somewhat memorable version of this movie is just like an extra couple months of working on the script. Like, it's not like they were short on budget or acting or concept or any of that. It just, it's like they just didn't quite try hard enough. Uh, yeah, and that's to me the, like the common thread with the Netflix movies. Like, yeah, you know, like if they just got better writers and tried a little harder, they'd be, they'd be we'd be just fine. Yeah, and I like it makes me have so many questions about the process. 
you know are is yeah it, for the notes yeah you know what i mean yeah like, you know, you know like, is it know. that and that's a great point is it that netflix from the executive level or whatever is noting the hell out of the movies they get to the point where they're all kind of generically forgettable or are they choosing bad writers or i don't know like it but it is it does feel like a problem yeah yeah, we've spent more time on this than it deserves. So let's go, to, let's go to a league of their own, um, which I found to be like I, you know, I wasn't super excited for this. It felt unnecessary, but I did find it enjoyable at the end of the day. Um, you know, clearly there was sort of a directive to uh, throw a more modern gender sexuality perspective. Yeah. Um, on this show that's set in the 1940s, which I feel like, or yeah, 40s, right? It's World War II era. Yeah. Um, Early 40s. Which I feel like is a bit of a weird, like it's it's a, you notice the clash, you know what I mean? Well, <laughs> so, I, I think, I, I have some criticisms here. Um, okay. I think the reason you notice the clash is because some of it is done reasonably and some of it is not. And... I, I just uh, this is a dumb example, but it's the thing that's stuck in my head because it really jarred me. Um, I think if we're honest, well, before I get to that, I think if we're honest, some gay women on the baseball team is something that was probably missing from the first one because it may be the '40s and they may not have been public about it, but like it's hard to believe they fielded an entire league of lady baseball players and there was no homosexuality um, well if we're being honest that team had madonna rosie o'donnell and Lori petty on it i think it probably was happening right <laughs> just uh, they weren't talking about it <laughs> and just not on screen um yeah, yeah exactly yeah exactly so so like i think it's easy to it's easy to imagine that being part of the story and and i think that fits fine um so it's not and it is viewed through sort of a modern gender politics uh, window, but it, it I don't think the content is necessarily unrealistic. But some of the way they talk about things just doesn't make sense to me. Um, and the thing, again, this is a very stupid example, but the thing that is stuck in my craw is there is a scene on the train after... Um, uh, I'm going to forget all the names of all the characters. Yeah. Uh, but after the black woman is denied the opportunity to try out, she and her friend are riding the train back to Rockford. And they're just having like a conversation about life. And her friend uses the phrase, I'm a whole wife. And that's, that's 2020s slang. Yeah. Why is a character in the 1940s using 2020s slang? And it's yeah. not like it's not like that's a deliberate broad choice where it's filled with that. It's just like a lazy writing decision. Um and I kind of feel like a lot of this show I feel like there was some laziness between the concept and the execution. Um, with things like that, with, with the baseball action itself, which I don't know about you, but I thought was pretty awful. 
Um, Honestly, I barely remember the baseball part of it. I'm not even sure if they're actually hitting a ball. It seems to me like they're just swinging and and there's like a computer-generated ball involved. With with the crack. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like some of the lesser – first of all, I mean some of the the performers clearly can't play. And I just – like that – that galls me to no end. You couldn't find women who can catch and throw and swing. Of course you could. Well, and I think too, if you're, it's like if you're doing a series about a baseball team, Lord knows you ought to be able to, you know, teach these women. Right? Like there's plenty yeah. of time. <laughs> yeah. To make them at least look, even if that's not their natural thing. Right. To make them at least passable baseball players. Yeah. And I, I do think Abby Jacobson was a softball player, so she looks reasonably natural. But like a lot of people on that field do not. Um, and I just, I, honestly, I, I kind of felt like this had the Netflix problem we're just talking about. Not forgettable exactly, but just like not trying hard enough. They tried so hard at the parts where they broadened the social perspective of the show that I don't feel like they executed the final product well enough. Yep. I think that's a, that's a great way to sum it up. Um, all right, let's jump to the challenge. Um, I, I feel like we got to start at the end, really, <laughs> because I agree with TJ that uh, this was one of my favorite eliminations in a long time. Uh, Excellent and I think elimination. That, I, yeah, I think it was both well-designed and, you know, uh, competitively interesting. Yep. Um, and I think that we got to give some flowers to Leo at this point, because one at one point you could say, all right, it was, you know, a flute, you know, yeah, okay, he won one, he got lucky or whatever. But dude just took out one of the guys that we've been talking about all season as a heavyweight in the game, and it was not fluky at all. You no. know what I mean? Like, In fact, like, I would argue that his surprising, like, strength just in terms of being able to lift um, Alyssa over and over and over again and – Obviously, like Alyssa was better at the balancing part than than Kira was, but but to give her a flat platform to stand on, lifting twenty pound medicine balls, like he's a small guy, at, yeah. at, that was really impressive. And if nothing else, the endurance and and sort of stick to itiveness to get that done, I agree. I think Leo deserves his flowers. Now that said, I still completely understand why everyone is looking at him like a goof because he's a he's a fucking goof and he won't quit. Because even in the damn elimination, he's doing weird cat stuff. <laughs> it was pretty great that they gave the cat question. That yeah, and by the way, <laughs> uh, when they when they paired Tyson and Sarah for this uh, with the algorithm, I had to I had to say inside my head, you know what? Maybe Derek's right, and there's a little more production yeah. hand in this algorithm than than they're saying. Yeah, yeah, and now and now it appears that we're getting rid of the algorithm. Well, um, I. I I didn't. I, I was not down on the algorithm necessarily, even if it wasn't, you know, uh, super genuine. Just because I thought it was creating a pretty in- interesting gameplay. But I love a classic TJ twist, man, and and that's what we got. <laughs> I do think that I have a feeling that when we get to this twist, we're, we're not gonna our jaws are not gonna be on the floor. I I don't know. Well, but that's um, sort of part of a classic TJ twist. But part of the part of what's wonderful about <laughs> it is just seeing everyone squirm, right? Yeah, for sure. I've been critical in the past about them sort of cutting these episodes 
or ending these episodes like on that super dramatic moments. Uh, and I cannot be that this way because it's certainly like they they did they did a good job of setting up the suspense for the next one. Um, yeah, on, on this episode, I got no complaints there. So yeah, did you think? Um, were you with me that um, Alyssa's reaction to Leo being like, "Hey, I gotta go," was like not really a good like adult reaction <laughs> to the situation? I, I gotta like, say. The whole, the whole, I mean, okay. Like, it's all, it all happens fast, and we don't necessarily know all the other hours and hours of stuff that happens behind the scenes. But just, just on its face, Leo, I am pretty sure Leo said he lost $42,000 in a weekend because of problems with his business. I think it was home. a little more, yeah. I want to say it's 47, 43, something like that. It was but 40 yeah, it was... something thousand dollars in, in a, a weekend. weekend. Yeah, like he's a better man than I am because I wouldn't be talking about loyalty to a stupid partner I don't know on a game show I never played before. Part- I've been even partnered with him for two days. <laughs> who, who? And by the way, she's not been nice. <laughs> no, no. Like I would be out of there. Now, look, if he can lose forty-two thousand dollars in a weekend, he might be in a better financial situation than me. So I don't know, but. I don't know, man. His girlfriend was not afraid to really give him the business on national TV. <laughs> no. Although I do, I also she have to say, off. like, how, <laughs> I'd like, I have so many questions that will never be answered about that side of it. Because it seems like he's not going anywhere, right? Like, he has decided to stay, which to me is insane. Like, yeah, what if you lose another $42,000? <laughs> but You're not winning this money, bro. I mean, I just gave you flowers, like, props, and you, you're surprising everybody, but, like. Come on, let's be real. There's still a lot of people left. <laughs> There's got to be some cost-benefit uh, analysis going on here, man. Oh, man. Maybe he's hoping that the, he can drive publicity to the business. Although he's not saying the names, right? So uh, No. You know, that would be and I want to know, like, what are be. his businesses? Like, what? I mean, I could the probably bars, Google this said. stuff, right? Yeah. But I think he said they were bars. He runs bars. It's weird. The whole thing's weird. Um, and I would have been out of there. But I guess respect to him for for hanging in there if that's how he wants to live his life. I don't know. I just I if I actually think about it in human terms, I can't get past all that lost money, man. <laughs> yeah, no, me neither. And then just for her to be like, but I don't know what's going to happen to me. It's like, yeah, you don't even know. So what are you doing? Right. You might <laughs> like, be totally yeah, maybe fine. Maybe they won't. Like, you know, uh but whatever, man. It's like it's forty three grand. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. No, that was that was pretty spectacular to me. Uh, and I I spent the rest of the episode making jokes about. I guess nobody cares about Leo's business. <laughs> I, well, I think that's true. I think no one cares about Leo's business. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, I, I got to get to my notes because that was the Leo stuff to me was definitely like this was a Leo episode for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, that was that was the stuff that jumped out at me. Anything anything that uh, jumped out at you from this episode? Well, I, d- d- what did you think about the strategic approach? From I mean, look, it worked. So you know, uh, tough to second guess in retrospect. But the choice by Dominic and Kayla to send in Kyland yeah. and Kira as opposed to either 
Tyson and Sarah, which to be fair, like you're probably just begging for them to come back and come after you. But the other option, which was um, Enzo and Angela, it seemed Kayla seemed like she had an opportunity to take out the strongest woman in the game and passed. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. Like Dominic talked about when he was kind of justifying her choice, was like, I had to take the shot. And I'm like, yeah, he took the wrong shot, dude. <laughs> yeah, and now look, in the end, for Dominic, it's probably the right shot, right? Because Enzo, like, is, is A, his friend, and B, the worst guy in the house. And um, Kyland was a real threat. So I, I think it may have been the right shot for Dominic, but it definitely was not the right shot for Kayla. Yeah. And it 100%. seemed like in a weird way that Kayla wasn't just going along with Dominic, but in fact made the decision that like, it seemed like she made the wrong decision. She seemed pretty sure about it though, which was the weird yes. thing, right? And so. it was all based on like Kylan not talking game to her on a one-to-one basis in the house. And this may or may not have anything to do with it, but I, have you been listening to the uh, official podcast for this season? I have not, no. Uh, it's it's with Devin Simone and Dave Vaughn, um, and they talked to Cachet, who, who said, apparently Kylan is on the spectrum. Um, so I wonder if he's just an awkward guy, and she was just reading his awkwardness as, like, sneakiness. Yeah, well, I definitely learned that talking to K- talking game with Kayla is important. Yeah, she about Angela. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, like that's a, it is a little bit weird. I, you know, I have to say, I really, I really enjoyed Kylan's exit in uh, uh, ITM. Yeah, like, like you, his love for this game was apparent. You know, like he had the kind of outro that like Nelson would do sometimes. You know what I mean? Where it's like, I just want to be a challenge champion. Is yeah, Kylan like, the yeah. Nelson of the Challenge USA? I mean, he he's, might be. he's very good, but knocked out early. He is incredibly sincere. He loves the game deeply. I feel like I feel like we've got a nice a nice parallel. Yeah, yeah, and I think like both of them, you know, they're going to be back. Uh, yeah, I, I Kylan is undeniably one of the guys that you could put onto the flagship show, and I don't know if there will be more Challenge USAs, and that'll be where like I. I I am actually, I think more so than you, interested to see how, maybe not in the next year, but after that, how these various challenge universes start to meld and interact together. Yeah, yeah. Well, and obviously, you know, I think the tournament um, may give us, shed some light on that. Explicitly on Paramount Plus, did they get enough of those plugs in? Um, Uh, I don't know, but it, (laughs) it is funny that TJ, every single challenge, or elimination has to mention, and by the way, you're competing for the da 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 exclusively <laughs> on Paramount Plus. And I just keep thinking, like, what does that matter to these people who are isolated yeah. from television and internet? <laughs> right. Also, I'm already watching it on Paramount Plus. So right, uh, me too. Like, we're all here. We're all yeah. already here. And I guess, I guess the point <laughs> is that that most of the CBS audience is not watching Paramount Plus. So, so that is what that's for. But. Yeah. I think- Right, I think most people are watching the show on CBS. I would assume, just yeah. based on the. I do wonder uh, how watched it on, is. Have you? <laughs> <on math. laughs> ha- yeah, agreed. Have you looked at uh, the, the any num? Have you seen any numbers on this? I have not, but I'm pretty sure that that's easily Googleable. 
Yeah. So yeah, it might, maybe might that's even be in the Wikipedia page. Yeah, maybe down the road we get into whether this is a successful gambit to expand the challenge world. Yeah, I have a feeling it is. <laughs> Me too. It's a little like summertime program you can't miss. Uh, I, I gotta TV. say, man, I, you know, it's great TV. Even even mm-hmm. all the criticisms we've had of it, it's it's not it's not what the other what the flagship is because we don't have the relationships, we we don't have the investment, but like. I am entertained every week, and this, it's a it's a good sport. The challenge is a good sport. Yeah, the challenge is a good sport, and I can see it. In, I can see this game improving as the players improve and as we're learning the game for for sure. Um, I have one other note, um, and I'm guessing that uh, since you uh, uh, had severe pain every time you swallowed, you did not take a drink. Uh, but I did no. time it out. <laughs> 13 minutes and 20 seconds into the show till the Kiki shout out. Yep. <laughs> yep. And they're getting more and more flagrant where you can tell he's really just like, oh, I got to find a way to get Kiki. <laughs> yeah, it is definitely becoming it, this one. He was like, he was like, well, if you want to know about my driving, you should ask my wife Kiki because I drive and she does not. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna time the Kiki shoutouts just to see. I like that. I like that. I I I think there were there were only there were only maybe two in this episode though. It was a relatively Kiki light episode. Yeah, for sure. We like there better be a reunion show where we get to meet Kiki. Is all I'm saying. If we don't even (laughs) ever see Kiki, then the Challenge USA has failed us. Yeah, like all this, all this can't be for not. You know, you know what I mean? It's probably just me, right? They're probably just gonna have her like Skype in, like uh, Leo's girlfriend this week or whatever. So yeah, um, yeah. Hopefully, we see her on a Facetime, and then look if she could get to the reunion, that'd be great. the The real hammer would be to have her on the next season. <laughs> yeah, that would be fantastic. Yes. Let's do it. Come on, CBS. Come on, Kiki. Uh, you can do this. All right. <laughs> all right. I, I am now officially late for dinner, so let's uh, jump into uh, homework. We're t- we are taking next week's show off, correct? Yes. My sister is getting remarried, um, not because she's married and divorced, but because, uh, you know, her initial COVID wedding apparently wasn't big enough for her taste. So we're doing it all over again. Um, that is for me next weekend. So I will be in Chicago, uh, prepping for a rehearsal dinner where I have to MC and a wedding that I have to officiate. Uh, cause apparently, uh, even though I don't do that job anymore for money, I have to do it for free everywhere I go. Um, all right. So yeah, that, um, that's that's me next weekend. We're gonna take a week off, and and by the time we get back, we're gonna have two of the biggest shows in recent memory debuting on our televisions. Yeah, I mean certainly the, the two most anticipated premieres of the year, I would say, and that that would be uh, the new Game of Thrones spinoff, which premieres Sunday uh, on HBO and HBO Max. House of Dra- House of the Dragon, House of the House Dragon, of, right? House of the Dragon, I believe. And then uh, the Lord of the Rings show on Amazon Prime uh, is also premiering soon. So uh, those will both be on by the time uh, we get back. And then we're going to show the Manti Teo documentary on Netflix. And I don't know the official title of that. I think it's like Untold, colon, something, something. But, you know, Manti Teo documentary on Netflix. I'm I'm confident you can find it. Yeah, it's it's part of that. 
un, untold sports series that we've talked about before. Um, and so far, it's uh, <laughs> it's getting a lot of interesting response. And, and yes, I, I think at the time, a lot of us imagined it's it's called Untold, the girlfriend who didn't exist. Um, at the time, a lot of us looked at that situation and thought that has got to be affecting him more than we know. And I think now we're going to find out just how much it did affect him. Uh, really, truly yeah. one of the strangest like news stories in my lifetime. Yeah. And I think a lot like that Britney Spears uh, documentary from last year, it's one of those things where some of the stuff and some of the things that we said and did in the t- in hindsight don't are not going to look great. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Agreed. So, so I think that that'll be interesting. Are you also experienced this phenomenon that I am? Like we talked about uh, and love the HBO Woodstock '99 documentary from last year. Yes, I, um, I'm so with and you. And apparently, on this. no one watched it. <laughs> right, because there's a new one, and because everyone's I, like, so "Oh my god!" Netflix yeah, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah, man, where were you? <laughs> yeah, and I have yeah, no interest so. in watching another documentary about it either. But and I no, can't I imagine like it's better. Told the story so completely. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. But I just think that it, I think it slipped by so many people. And this is going to wind up being the documented record, which I think is an, an interesting. There's something interesting about our world and how we are now taking in these shows and how fractionalized it is. Um, well, and I think also maybe something telling about why Netflix um, is satisfied with mediocre content. Not that I know that this documentary is mediocre. It might be great. But like if just something being on Netflix has that much more impact than it being on HBO max, despite that other documentary being incredibly well received and really good. Uh, maybe they don't need to bother with the quality quite as much. Yeah. I mean, I think you, you can definitely see that that homepage uh, and particularly that top 10, I think yeah, it's, it's really powerful, you know, yep. like in terms of just getting things visible to people. Yeah. So. I mean, I think it still probably is the most powerful thing in streaming is that Netflix, like, top 10 and, and homepage recommendations. Yeah. So, um, all right. Well, on that note, uh, I'm sad that we won't be talking, uh, next week. Uh, Me too. Uh, can I just point I, out um, that you're going to dinner at, at uh, you said you're late for dinner at five fifteen PM local time. Yeah. It's not, not, uh, obviously I didn't make that reservation because <laughs> I much prefer to eat at, uh, <laughs> at nine 30 or 10. Um, <laughs> But we have a very large party. Uh, some small children, perhaps. Know, some small children, and yeah. yeah. So, uh, so I gotta, I gotta go with where the wind's blowing. You know what I'm saying? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, I feel you. Ha- have a wonderful dinner and weekend with the family, and and we'll talk in a couple weeks. All right, man. I'm looking forward to it. Bye. This game's in the Admiral refrigerator. The door is closed. The lights out. Butter's getting hard. The eggs are cooling, and the Jello is jiggling. So long, everybody. And do me a favor. Have yourself a tremendous evening.